Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. You know that fresh produce is the best produce. That's why at Kroger, we invest in local farmers to bring you seasonal picks that taste fresh from the farm good, like sweet corn, refreshing watermelon, and juicy peaches. So whether you're a delivery lover, a picker-upper, or you shop in-store, your local produce always tastes 100% fresh, or you get a 100% refund guaranteed. Kroger, fresh for everyone. everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. It's a brand new week here and the road to WrestleMania continues. I am your host, Keela Cash, and as always, I'm not alone in this journey of all things WWE. By my side, per the usual, is my right-hand man, my co-captain, my co-host, and the advocate of the returning Von Wagner after four weeks away from the ring on NXT 2.0. I bring to you, per the usual, Scott Young. Welcome back, Scott. Man, I can tell you this. The only thing that is more underwhelming than Von Wagner returning to the ring was, you know, a couple billionaires this week. We had one with an announcement and then the other one uh, getting everybody all hyped up for a match at MSG. So, (laughs) wow, you know, what a week it's been in WWE. But, you know, this is this is a good start to to turning things around. Keela, it's always a pleasure to chop it up and talk to the world of WWE with you. And we have another great guest this week to bring a great perspective. So this is going to be a fun conversation. Yes, very underwhelming news and teases this week from both WWE and AEW. Hyped up to be historic, monumental, stupendous. It was some of those things, depending on your situation, but it was pretty much gassed up for a little effect. But hey, we're fans. We hang on to every news story, just like our special guest host today, back here per the usual in the starting rotation, a part of the Fight Game Media family, and he has always been an honorary member of the rap crew. Stephen Conway is back once again. Welcome back, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Always happy to be here talking WWE with you guys. Yes. So we were on pins and needles this past (laughs) Saturday. We were on our phones, checking out the Twitter timeline, searching the hashtag WWE MSG. Because all day Saturday, there was this rumor of something big and massive and surprising happening during the main event when Brock Lesnar defends his WWE championship against a mystery opponent. So as we're ready to record this show, we're on our phones waiting for this mystery opponent to be revealed. I find a live stream from a very lovely fan recording the show live, and then we find out it's Brock Lesnar versus a championship caliber opponent, a future WrestleMania main eventer, an NXT upstart that made his way back to the main roster. He found his way from the way. It was none other than Austin Theory, and the crowd goes mild. And I just thought to myself, I wasted two and a half hours on my goddamn phone 
for this. So Scott, when you found out it was Austin Theory, soon to be future WrestleMania main eventer, the prodigy of Vince McMahon, a man who has more value than Shane McMahon right now. What did you think about this <laughs> MSG Swerve of Swerves? Well, I, I first thing I thought was, uh, well, WWE got us again, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> second thing I thought was... <laughs> You know, and this is probably the last thing other people thought, but the second thing I thought was, man, Austin Theory is getting a lot of love. Like, he, he's genuinely, like, getting big spots. And, you know, everybody's going to talk about him getting squashed by Brock, but he's main eventing MSG. I mean, you know, say what you want. There's something to them choosing Austin Theory as the guy to main event M- MSG. Um, I, I think we all knew or all kind of expected WWE to, you know, pull the rug from under us like they normally do but there was just something in the back of our mind like not this time not this time not this time you know it's like going back to, in a in a relationship you know it's not going to work it's not going to be like that this time he's going to be better this time she'll be better this time nah she still gets me again she still lets <laughs> me down <sighs> the billionaires this week really just let me down i need to stop relying on billionaires and just go back to the common man is that a hint as to who this common man could possibly be sometime very soon who is teasing all of us with what he's doing next even though we have no fucking idea hey listen i know i know nothing you know but but i I, i'm just a common man myself so i I, i'm just trying to to latch on to something that looks familiar and and the common man is is the one i'm gonna go with all right Look at you trying to form an American nightmare on this show, but we're going to let that go. <laughs> I'm trying to end racism. Okay? I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to end racism, and there's a whole bunch of other things I'm going to do while I'm at it, but I need the common man. Listen, you could probably solve racism better than that person could. I'm just saying. You can bring us together. We'll hold hands. We'll sing. We'll kumbaya. You, only you, Scott, solve racism in 2022 unlike someone else that we're alluding to and quite frankly i'm having fun with all the teases because he's teasing us with where does he go from here it wasn't msg last night so steven as you joined us and wasting time out of your busy saturday (laughs) looking at your looking at your phone staring at brock lesnar versus austin theory for the wwe championship what were your initial thoughts on that well, just like you, Keela, I was on pins and needles leading up to this. And after the announcement, I felt like I had sat on a tack. And uh, that was uh, exactly the way I felt on that. It was just this very uncomfortable oh, letdown there. I was really hoping it was going to be AJ Styles, so at least the people there would get a good match. Uh, Brock does like working with AJ. AJ can work with anybody, and it would have been a nice main event for uh, Madison Square Garden, a uh, worthy main event. Instead, they got... Both of the biggest stars in the company, Roman Reigns and Brock, they saw them. There they were. They were standing in the ring right there, but they weren't standing in a long because both of them did essentially two-minute squash matches over Seth Rollins, which is a bit of a surprise. Not that Brock won and not that Roman won. They both should be winning these matches, but to to just squish a couple of guys. I mean, I hope the live crowd enjoyed it, but uh, it just seems like it was a bit of a letdown, not only in... The choice of opponents for Brock, uh, but just in the execution of it. And it's like, we're, we're going to bring him out. We're going to have him kill a couple of people real quick. And then we're done. Off you go and uh, send you back to the subways. So it was, uh, it doesn't seem like something that's going to pop the attendance for the next show at MSG to me. 
No, they've ran that market a lot. The SmackDown show they did last September was great. It was a lot of fun. It was probably the best SmackDown they did in a very long time. But that is a hard market to draw in right now. It's really rough for WWE and the teases and the surprises and the letdowns. It tends to drive away fans and you can only do so much in order to get those fans back. And perhaps leaving that market and building alone for a while might perhaps ease the process of going back with a bigger draw down the road. But there was an angle besides that WWE Championship match played out in MSG on Saturday night as Brock Lesnar was beat down by Roman Reigns. He was a bloody mess. He was hit with a steel chair, knocked out with a couple of Superman punches, and he was hit with the rock bottom on a steel on the still steps and Brock was a bloody mess. And as the camera still rolled, courtesy of WWE, which will most likely air on Monday Night Raw, he, I don't know if they would air this part particularly, but he sat up and laughed. He, he took oh, pride geez. in getting busted up and bloody by Roman Reigns. He stepped and posed with the WWE Championship. So I guess that was the big angle that needed to be professionally shot for Monday Night Raw so they can kind of black and white out the blood. So upon further review, this entire night, and I'm not saying this because the fans probably paid a ticket, had a good time. But in terms of angles, this was definitely overhyped. And I'm like, well, we could have did this on Raw or SmackDown. And you would have had 2 million viewers watching on a Friday, maybe close to 2 mil on Monday Night Raw. And it's for a house show and MSG. That's fine and all. But it doesn't really do much for me when it comes to their WrestleMania match, which was already sold based on their contract signing last week. So, Scott, when you see the angle in its totality, was it worth the hype in the end by WWE? You know, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think they did a good job of taking advantage of the hype surrounding it. And, I mean, they didn't because they never said, you know, it was going to be a big-time star or anything like that. They just said they were going to have opponents. And the internet ran wild with it. And, you know, WWE was smart to not stop it. You know, they certainly didn't bring any water to put out any fires. They didn't call, you know, they didn't call anybody. But, you know, they took advantage of this hype. And I do think this angle is going to probably play out pretty well when they show it in video in a video package. And I hope they keep Brock Lesnar sitting up and smiling with a bloody face holding the WWE title because that fits his character. That fits Brock Lesnar. I could 100% see Brock Lesnar in real life getting in a fight, getting bloodied up and sitting up laughing like, all right. I got you next time. Wait till I get you next time. Like that fits the beast incarnate's character. So I hope they keep that part in. I, I don't have a problem with them playing off of it because they didn't, they didn't say that it was going to be something like this. They just let the internet run wild. And you know, I, I got consumed in it too, but that's what happens. You know, when the internet catches a hold of something, it just runs wild and they just let it run. So I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, the fantasy booking definitely went crazy on Saturday. So, Stephen, when you see the angle in its totality, does it work for you heading into WrestleMania? It's fine. I mean, we have a month before the WrestleMania match, so I figured they would do something. They wouldn't be able to just have these guys jawing at each other. I figured they wouldn't be able to hold back from some sort of physical confrontation somewhere. We were somehow uh, spared someone being smashed through the contract signing table, which seems to be a... a uh, trope. Instead, he just beat the heck out of 50 security guys while Roman watched. And this one was just Roman getting a little piece of him here uh, and something that they will, like Scott mentioned, they'll probably put together a pretty decent video package on it. They're very good at those. And it'll be something where we'll be looking to see if Brock comes back on at Raw or maybe on SmackDown on Friday. And, you know, people will be 
tense and wondering if he's going to come out and confront Roman again. It's a little bit of intrigue between the, the match and now. We've got a few weeks. Probably worth doing a little bit of something-something for it. Yes, and I hope that WWE is paying attention to the timeline of everybody guessing who it could have been, who it should have been, and maybe lock down a deal sooner or later because it's going crazy right now. I'm all for surprises, but it's getting kind of crazy with all the fantasy booking I'm seeing heading into WrestleMania season, and I don't want to see complete feuds and storylines blown up for that pop of the moment when you need to think about post-WrestleMania. But let's hope they're mindful of that heading into the heart of WrestleMania season as we segue into Monday Night Raw from this past week. And I have to celebrate a tag team that has grown on me due to their chemistry and talent, obviously. I'm talking about Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins. They just click as a tag team going back to a match they had on SmackDown nearly two months ago when they faced the Usos in an excellent tag team match. And in that case... Rollins and KO were the de facto baby faces. They were over. The fans loved them. They sang Rollins' song. It was everything. And this past Monday with the Alpha Academy, they put on a show. And it's a rarity when you have two heel teams going back and forth that you find someone to cheer for. And Rollins and Owens are so good at what they do in the ring and on the mic. They were able to grab those fans in Columbus, Ohio, wake them up, and have them go off of their hot tags. And the tandem work they do together into the buckle bomb, the stunner, the stump, it's everything. I just really love their chemistry as a tag team. And I don't know what's going to happen regarding the Chupa Threat this upcoming Monday between RK Bro and Alpha Academy for the Raw Tag Team titles. But I expect this match to be outstanding due to all of the chemistry among these tag teams. Because for whatever reason, this time of year, WWE cares a little bit about tag teams, which is highly unusual, but I'm here for it. So, Steven, what are your thoughts on the dream team of Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins kicking ass and having great chemistry on Monday Night Raw? I agree. I really enjoy this act. I think they're both terrific. They do have good chemistry together, both on the microphone and in the ring. Uh, They're both obviously terrific singles competitors, but it it does work. And there is some interesting chemistry with there. I I think it could end up being a really great rivalry with RK Bro. Now, we know that both of these teams are eventually going to break up and feud with each other again. We know this. It's just the way WWE does things. But not just with Alpha Academy. That match was terrific. I enjoyed the heck out of it, too. But I would love to see some more RK Bro against these guys. I'd love to see these guys against Alpha Academy some more. And I know we're going to get a little bit more of it. I still feel like these breakups are going to get it before we really get the full long-term angle that I, uh, program that I would like to see with them. But they're terrific. And Kevin Owens is turning into an underrated tag team wrestler because, of course, he was... With and against Sami Zayn going all the way back to PWG, Ring of Honor, everywhere else. But those two were a terrific team in addition to great rivals against one another. He also worked with Chris Jericho really well before they had their breakup and things. Kevin Owens knows how to work tag teams. He just does. And if you put him in with somebody that's good, and Seth Rollins is definitely very good, it's a, a distinct pattern that Kevin Owens is a heck of a tag team wrestler, just knows how to do it, knows how to work those uh, the timing of the tags and the, the teamwork, and he, and he has that personality. He had it with Chris where he's my best friend, and I love and you you know he's not totally sincere, but it's still entertaining. I'm, I'm loving it every week. I, I, I kind of hope it goes on a while. I know eventually it's going to split, but uh, I, I'm down with it. As long as they want to keep it running, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. It's lovely. And just think two years ago, these guys were beefing, heading into an empty arena WrestleMania. 
and Kevin Owens, despite his dream of jumping off of a pirate ship, he was jumping <laughs> off something. He was going to jump off that big-ass WrestleMania sign. Right. And to think about the animosity and their hatred for each other, now they're best friends. And now you can play <laughs> into the reverse of maybe Kevin Owens turns on Seth Rollins, and Rollins can be the babyface he's meant to be, and they have great matches in front of actual people, and that can really drive this feud home, hopefully months down the road. Because right now, they really click as a tag team. And I love that emphasis on Monday Night Raw, which has been the better show as of late with great in-ring action and some competent storytelling to boot. So, Scott, when you see these two guys, Rollins and Owens, work together, putting on bangers against Alpha Academy, the Usos, and last week against, I believe, who they fought last week on Monday Night Raw, RK-Bro. That was another very good match. Mm-hmm. So when you see them tear out these hits back to back to back, do you foresee possibly a tag team championship run in their future before they most likely split up to have their feud part three or four during their tenure in WWE? So, you know, before the whole Kevin Owens, Steve Austin thing kind of, you know, blew up when he, you know, ripped into Texas, that was kind of where I thought this whole thing was going. I thought that was going to be the WrestleMania match was going to be Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins versus RK-Bro for the titles at WrestleMania, um, seeing RK-Bro win the titles back at WrestleMania. Um, that's kind of where I thought this was going, but now Kevin Owens seems like he's going to do a different thing. You know, that does leave me concerned about Seth Rollins. I'd love for them to get a to get the titles and for RK-Bro, for that to be the hill that RK-Bro has to conquer, you know, at WrestleMania, for them to be the team that they have to beat. Um, the tag division on the Raw side, but especially just between those three teams, has really kind of heated up a little bit at the right time. Uh, Steven, you talked about Kevin Owens really improving as a tag team wrestler. I, I'm going to kind of go on the opposite spectrum. Seth Rollins, I think, uh, you know, I don't know if he gets the credit he deserves for just how good of a worker he is. Singles guy, he's proven to be a top guy level. Tag wrestler, he's done it with multiple partners, man. He's doing it now with Kevin Owens. He did it with Jason Jordan. He did it with Murphy. He did it with Ambrose. He did it with Roman. All of those teams were good to great teams. And I and I would argue his team with Ambrose, I mean, they, they scratched the surface of how good and how, you know, the chemistry that they could really have. Um, I think Rollins is just such a great worker. I, for my money, he might be top five in, in, in the world. I, he's that good. He can do anything. You can slot him anywhere, and he will excel. He, You talk about the crowd singing his song. He's not even – I mean – He's pushed as a as a top guy, but he's not even pushed as the guy. And people are singing his song like he 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 is he is that guy, man. I I I really just appreciate what Rollins brings to the table. And Kevin Owens is definitely holding his end of the bargain. Don't get me wrong about that, but I just think Rollins really shows his versatility with stuff like this. Just being able to form this great tag team, and when they do split off. He's going to be believable as a single star. When they make him that baby face that people are ready for him to be, he's going to, it's, he, people are going to be ready for it and he's going to be able to do it. I, I just really have a great admiration and appreciation for Seth Rollins. Seth is great. And Scott used the key word, versatility. His ability to work with anybody at any time really speaks to his greatness. And I have a key word I always use with Seth Rollins 
dating back to that time he dressed as the white Power Ranger at SummerSlam 2015. <laughs> when he's in the zone, 100% into the moment, he is otherworldly as a performer. And he can be top five under the right circumstances. Give him the time to put on a show, he'll do it. I just love him as a performer and a character. Even though I should hate the cackling, I love it. It's endearing to me. And the fans sing his song and he's over, not even trying to be over as a babyface. He's just great. And I hope the WWE realizes the value that babyface Seth Rollins has to you this day and age. He went through that slump in 2019, early 2020 as a messiah. But this Seth Rollins, for all the kookiness I adore, and Kevin Owens is the perfect compliment to him right now as that go-to tag team partner that delivers bangers on Monday Night Raw when need be. And I am still angry, despite Kevin Owens' feud with Texas, that he is not the U.S. champion, and that should be rectified post-WrestleMania, one would hope. I'm not forgetting that bullshit booking WWE. I simply refuse to do so. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And speaking of the United States Championship, dreams what really a segue. do come true. What a segue. That's what why you segue. host this show. That is beautiful. Yes, that transition. That, that transition thing, wasn't it? My goodness. Let me pat myself on the back like chomping you should. on NXT. Yeah, you, you, earned that. you earned that for sure. <laughs> that was smooth as butter, I got to say. But oh, dreams do come true. As I have prayed on this show, and Scott knows this, Steven knows this, as we've had this conversation at various points. I have wanted Damian Priest to turn heel for quite a while now. And the one time that the, because of the fan shit works, it applies in this case. Because for a while now, Damian has not been connecting with the people for various reasons, mainly due to him having a, a split personality. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, not feeling it very much. The Damian versus the Priest wasn't here for it. So thankfully, Finn Balor showed back up a couple of weeks ago, challenged Priest for the U.S. Championship, and he won with the coup de grace. I was very happy, and I was upset about a month or two ago when Finn Balor ate a loss to Austin Theory in Monday Night Raw. I was wondering, what are we doing here? I know Theory needs a rub, but Finn Balor is that guy that can be your silent assassin on Monday Night Raw, that can be that guy that can go in the ring. And thankfully... WWE made the right decision by having Finn Balor beat Damian Priest. And Priest gets on the mic saying, because these fans, Finn, you won. They carried you to victory. They didn't care me to victory for my matches. They didn't care about me because of them. I am who I am today. And he flips on Finn Balor. He delivers a gnarly razor's edge to Finn on the announce table. And the bounce Finn took on that table was sick. I loved it. And I did enjoy Priest saying, I'm the bad guy. Like about damn time, you're a believable bad guy without the split personality for a change. 
And it is because of the fans, not because they don't like you. It's because they don't connect with you. And that's partly on WWE. The Thunderdome hurts a bit, too. When you get out that element, you don't really get a sense of who you are as a character. And he needs to switch up for a bit to be a heel without that Damien bullshit. Just be a guy that was very over in NXT for a bit. The loner, the guy that was Yardra Infamy, the guy that ran the nightclub circuit. I hated the vampirism aspect of it, but he was still over as a guy that was intriguing as a character most weeks. I'm very thankful this heel turn take, took place at long, long last. So, Scott, what are your thoughts of Finn Balor being the new United States champion by beating Damian Priest and the heel turn that Priest took right after the match was over? Uh, a couple things. First off, you know, some of these losses, they they just don't make sense. Like, why did why did Damian Priest lose the match a couple weeks ago to AJ Styles for no reason? You know, even Corey Graves brought it up. You know, he lost to AJ Styles and rebounded the next week. But why, why did he lose to AJ Styles? This match would have meant so much more for Finn Balor if Damian Priest goes in undefeated. You know, then I, I actually, I think the snap would make a little bit more sense for him to take his first loss and him to then blame it on the fans instead of him taking just another loss. And it's like, oh, now you, now it's the fans, you know. So there's that. You bring up Finn Balor losing to Austin Theory, that's probably not going to get played off because they're not even going to talk about that. Kevin Owens is still right there. You know, we, we, you know, we, we're, we'll talk about that. He's still right there. So he's still waiting in the wings. We don't know when that's going to happen. Um, I, I do like Finn Balor as the U.S. champion. I think he is going to, I think he's a solid U.S. type of champion because he's somebody that you can believe can beat anybody on the roster. But at the same time, if somebody does beat him, you're not like flabbergasted. You know, unless we're talking like Reggie beating him, then I might be a little flabbergasted. But anybody else is like, okay, I, I can see that. Finn Balor's a good guy for that. Um, you know, I, I'm expecting fully for Damian Priest to wear him out a couple more times, and then we end up getting the Demon versus the Priest in a in a chapel, which should be interesting. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm curious to see what the uh, what the glass windows, what type of uh, artwork is going to be on the on those. How many people are going to be in the pews, and what hymns are going to be sung during this match? Uh, it should be very interesting to see. Um, I, I really actually do hope we get the demon just for the entrance at WrestleMania because I think that would be grand and, and really cool. So I, I actually do kind of hope we get that. But, oh, boy, they could do some really weird stuff with this, and I hope they don't. I hope it, you know they just let the demon have a grand entrance in a match. But I have bad feeling that they might have heard the show last week and they might take some of my ideas. So. <laughs> horrifying thought i think cj is still broken at your idea as we speak shout out to cj i just want to (laughs) hey cj how's it going in australia this lovely lovely day wherever you are and i do hope this is a straight up match let's have the entrances be majestic and let's have the pageantry of the demon versus the uh, versus damien presumably at wrestlemania let them have a straight up match that features great intensity and fire from both men is that could be a show stealer i just want them to really not duplicate but enhance what they did at takeover in your house nearly two years ago build upon that and give the people a show in Arlington, Texas. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on Finn Balor winning the U.S. title from Damian Priest, which led to Damian Priest at long last turning heel? 
Well, I think you guys hit most of the really important points. But I was very happy that uh, the irony of all this is that they finally turn him heel and they don't use the split personality thing. But you're right. It's a good thing. It was silly. It didn't really work. People weren't responding to it in a heel or a babyface way. Leave that out of it. Just have him be pissed off that he's lost his mojo a little bit and has taken a couple of losses. Now he's lost his title and he's upset that the fans didn't back him up more. That's fine. Yeah, I'm working with that. Now, the, the blaming the fans thing seems to be about all they have right now when it comes to heel turns. It's, it, it seems like everybody that turns now is just upset because the fans didn't support them enough and it's almost like a little not even subliminal dig at their own fans that's going on from the back because they don't people don't like the booking all that much and they said well we'll just have people just yell at the fans and tell us that i think these are all saying what people behind the scenes there are thinking it's like hey you're you're not supporting us you're not doing what and it's, it's your job to make them support you buddy but uh when the fans uh rebel that's uh that seems to be all they have is just to have heels say all the things they want to say to the people out there and uh it's okay it's it's fine in this case and the match is probably going to be pretty decent i i don't think uh finn balor is going to be a, a like a long-term u.s champion but he's a good soldier i'm always happy when anything good happens to finn in his career he's been there a long time he's worked very hard in, in just about every match i've ever seen him have there so run with the u.s title it should be real nice and uh, i hope i'm wrong i would love for it to be a long-term thing in the start of finn balor getting a renewed push i believe when i see it uh but uh this was good. I, I really have no problem with Priest as, as a heel in this role. Without the split personality thing, I don't I don't need that. But if he's going to do it, uh, then this might be a good way to do it and uh, a good opponent to, to do it with. So the, this could uh, be the thing that makes Priest a little bit more of a heel star and, and, and bring him up. For sure. I'm very happy that Finn Balor is a Grand Slam champion by winning the U.S. title. And I'm happy the NXT title reigns are now retroactively recognized by WWE <laughs> once again, unless you're Charlotte Flair, and they don't count those, unfortunately. But at least Finn's <laughs> does count in that regard. As we segue into the main event angle of Monday Night Raw, last week Edge was asking anybody to be his WrestleMania opponent. He was teasing Phenomenal. He was teasing Cody Rhodes. He was teasing Damian Priest and Finn Balor. And ultimately, the challenger was AJ Styles. And I honestly don't know how the fans reacted because WWE pipes in this noise that's so freaking fake and it's inauthentic. So I don't know what the fans feel that they expect Cody Rhodes. I did not because I'm not going to rearrange my dream board saying I always wanted to see Edge versus Cody. No, I didn't. I never wanted to see the match. Maybe down the road. This is not my WrestleMania fantasy. So for those of you that thought that, my apologies, WWE is really working overtime with the teases that tend to change day to day, minute to minute around these parts. But the surprising aspect of this angle was the closer of Edge saying, I don't want AJ Styles. That was the tag team bitch of Omos for the last year and a half. I want the phenomenal AJ Styles, the two-time WWE champion. I want the guy that debuted at the Warrior Rumble over six years ago. I want that AJ Styles. And then Edge beats AJ Styles' ass, low blow to concertos. He has wild, crazy hair. He's a complete psycho. And the fans chant one more time, you sadists, you masochists out there wanting to see poor AJ Styles get hit with that chair, not once, but twice on Monday night. And that instantly flips the dynamic of Edge being a heel 
for the first time since his since his return to WWE over two years ago, and AJ Styles firmly aligned as a babyface. And I think it's a great dynamic. I know that Edge will have a good explanation for what he did on Monday night from Cleveland, Ohio. It should be a good reason as to why he turned on AJ Styles to build up to, to build up to this WrestleMania match. And all I can think about is what Randy Orton did to Edge two years ago. He warned us all. He tried to take out Edge before he became a problem for himself because according to Randy, Edge was an addict for this kind of stuff. And he was trying to stop this from happening. But look what happened. Edge eventually snapped, lost his damn mind, and now he will have possibly a show still at WrestleMania against AJ Styles. So Steven, what are your thoughts regarding the closing angle of Monday Night Raw as we now have the WrestleMania dream match of AJ Styles versus Edge? I'm not a, quite as big of a fan of it as you guys are on this one. I got to say that, that I wasn't quite sure the point of all that. First of all, it happened directly after another heel turn. They just did two in a row back-to-back segments right there, which I didn't think was smart. I, I think it kind of lessened the impact of both of them. More to it, I'm not sure the point of turning Edge heel. I, and it, and like you said, people were chanting one more time. I don't think it really worked all that well. This could have been a match. I would like to see this match more than I want to see Cody against either one of them, to be honest. I would rather see Edge against AJ more than I'd rather see Cody against Edge or Cody against AJ. So I'm down with the match. I'm looking forward to the match. It is a potential show stealer. There's no question about it. Both of these guys really know what they're doing in there. But I also think you could have done that as two veterans who want to have a to win each other's respect. And I think you could have done it that way in a more mature fashion than just having Edge flip out suddenly after building up a lot of babyface equity. I mean, he just went through this whole thing where he was, you know, sweet and loving with Beth Phoenix, and it was almost like a you know an angle where they were defending their honor against Miz and Maurice and. It, it was all the fans just loved them and they put together a decent match right there and they had all kinds of just baby faces. There aren't a lot of baby faces on Raw and we lost two more on, on Monday. I'm not sure that turning him into some psycho out of the blue really worked. And I, I think I would have rather seen them just say, look, I'm going to push you harder than you've ever been pushed. We are going to have one hell of a match. You and I are just going to go at it and the best person win. And then as it goes on, just have him get put a little more, pardon the pun, a little more edge to it week by week until it gets to Mania. But this whole thing with him just snapping suddenly, and this is like the split personality thing that we didn't want Damian Priest to do. It's like all of a sudden he was just from the guy that was standing there with his arm around Beth Phoenix celebrating uh, taking down jerks like The Miz to this psychopath. I, I thought it was a little abrupt. Didn't think it really worked for me all that well. I think these two guys could have a match without all this. That would be really, really good. But, you know, if they go in there at WrestleMania and tear the house down, it'll all be fine. Yes, preferably in the opener match at night, too, of WrestleMania. That would be a nice way to have the crowd at their hottest. But Edge tends to be his most violent around WrestleMania season. Look what he did to poor Daniel Bryan last year at Fastlane. Oh, that's true, too. How yeah. dare you take my WrestleMania moment? I won the Royal Rumble fair and square, you son of a bitch. So I'm going to beat your ass to take away your shot at the WWE Championship two years ago against Randy Orton. Same exact thing. WrestleMania tends to bring out the worst in Edge every single year. Yeah, he's unusually cranky this time of year. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. He's very, very moody, and he wants the best possible match on the card, and he'll do it by any means necessary. So Scott had some mixed thoughts on the challenge dating back to last week, thinking this would be a way to elevate the U.S. title, and I wonder if he feels the same way now, now that we know it's going to be AJ Styles versus Edge at WrestleMania. I, I still I still wish they would have went that way. I still wish it was Finn Balor versus Edge for the U.S. title. I would have, you know, if Damian Priest didn't, you know, Stephen t- talked about it. If Damian Priest didn't just turn heel in the segment before, um, in you know, I would have loved to have Finn Balor come back out with his U.S. title and just be like, you know what? I, I want to fight the best. I want to make this title the best because you elevate the title with the men. I, t- I was big on that last week. The the people who hold the title, the women and men who hold the title, make the title. It, it's not the other way around. So I would have loved for that to happen. Obviously, it didn't happen. And I, you know, Stephen brought up that there was a different way to do it. One of my favorite builds to WrestleMania was The Undertaker and Triple H. The first time they met, they didn't say a single word. They came out. The crowd was ready. Before anything was said, Triple H comes out. After Undertaker's in the ring, he's got the mic. They just look up at the WrestleMania sign. They look at each other. And that's it. That's what you do when you have two stars. That's what you do when you have two legends. These are two legends. Edge and AJ Styles are two legends. And yeah, we don't know what the crowd reaction was. I, you know, that's I, I completely agree with that because they're they are terrible at piping in noise. Like, I mean, it, it's it's just ridiculous. But I, I mean, that's the way to do that. You don't you don't need to do this heel turn. It doesn't make sense. You know, unless it's just, you know, that, you know, like Keela said, it's just that time of the year where he just goes crazy. But I, I, I would have liked for this to just be that type of feud. And then you build to it. Now this yeah. has me thinking next week somebody's going through a table. The following week they're going to pull a ladder out and we're going to have a TLC yeah. match. AJ Styles versus Edge. <laughs> I mean, that that's where it seems like we're going when you have a concerto on the first night of the build. I mean, what, what do you go from there, from the concerto twice? You know what I mean? So I, I, I just, less is sometimes more. And I, I think if they would have started this off, AJ Styles didn't need to say a word. He, he has that type of connection and people know what he brings to the table and they know what type of match this is. If Edge cuts that same promo, AJ Styles comes out, doesn't say a word, gets in Edge's face, look at the WrestleMania sign, maybe just says off mic, I'll see you there. Everybody knows what that means. Everybody knows exactly what that signifies. And I think that would have worked a lot better. Edge is still where he is. And now we can build to that concert. I don't have a problem with them getting to the concert. And the thing that too is... What do you do now? Edge didn't do... do How do you this? He didn't go this so nuts when that's, Seth that's Rollins kind of broke into his now. damn house. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There, yeah. There you go. My man, my man went in his that. fridge and had a cup of milk, put his feet up, and Edge was like, "Ah, it's okay. I'll just wait till the match. <laughs> I'll just yeah. wait till the match." Much. But AJ, yeah. you coming out here trying to wrestle me at WrestleMania? Oh, nah, you get the nut shot. You know, like it don't make no sense. It's a miracle he still has why, all those kids. Why is AJ it's a miracle he had all those kids. He kept getting hit there. WrestleMania. What's going on with that? What's what's going on with that too? He needs to start. <laughs> no more tattoos. No more tattoos on the ribs. He's done. Yes. Right. Listen, he had those kids early because it's not happening now. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. 
No, we're not adding any more to the list of kids I already made with my wife because my balls have taken a hit over the last four or five years in WWE. And it's true. Edge's turn went from zero to 180 fast. And where do you go from here? It, can it be a yes. standard match at WrestleMania? Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing I do have a concern about is Edge wants to give us these long, legendary, epic matches. I don't want a 40-minute classic at WrestleMania. Keep that shit at 20 minutes. Give us a show and we're good to go. But when you start this hot, where do you go from there? What is going to be the promo on Monday Night Raw? Edge is going to be angry. The hair is going to be crazy. And I want to see AJ's reaction in two weeks. He cannot come back on Monday Night Raw after taking two concertos. That just does not work for me. So he needs to take a couple of weeks off, come back a week or two before WrestleMania, then have that confrontation. I do have hope for this few, but I do want that griminess from Edge and Orton from WrestleMania three years ago. They were shady, and I love the shade they threw at each other heading into their match at WrestleMania that was marred by bad lighting from MetLife Stadium, that damn red spotlight that wasn't the sun fucked up their match. Thankfully, we're inside of a building with a dome and it's a roof. We're good this time around. There'll be no distracting lights. But here's hoping there is some sense of stir line purpose with Edge's heel turn come Monday from Cleveland. As we segue to... NXT 2.0, easily the most interesting discussion on this show every single week. And this was a better than usual NXT. I enjoyed it very much. And we had a very hot opener with Braun Breaker and Tomasa Ciampa cosplaying as the Steiner brothers. I love the singlets. They were colorful. They were lovely. (laughs) And as I wanted, WWE gave CFOs 15 seconds to get their money when they played glorious for Robert Roode. It was lovely. It was beautiful. I missed a robe, but the theme music is everything, which reminds me, can we get some better music for WWE stars today and not premium beat drops that sound so generic? But all in all, this is a really fun tag to match. It was a lightning speed from the jump. Ciampa doing a pescado to both men on the outside, repping the dirty dogs, and that spear that Braun Breaker delivered to Dolph Ziggler. This dude glided like a gazelle and speared Ziggler, and Ziggler sewed it beautifully. I love the Tanum Demolition, um, I would say the Doomsday Bulldog from Ciampa and Ziggler. Ciampa and Breaker to Ziggler was fantastic. Root breaks up the pin attempt, and Ciampa does pin Ziggler with the fairy tale ending, which now leads to a triple threat match for NXT Roadblock. I did not expect a roadblock to stand and deliver. I thought we were done with fast lanes and roadblocks. We bring it back now, heading into WrestleMania season, as they're, please stop before we go on that road to stand and deliver, as it will be Breaker versus Ciampa and Ziggler for the NXT Championship. But I do wonder if there will be a title change come Tuesday night regarding who's possibly walking into this TakeOver adjacent show as NXT champion. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the opening match NXT 2.0, and what do you see happening in this Triple Threat match next week for the title? So, a couple things. Uh, first off, Braun Breaker is just, he's really impressive, man. That hot tag was fantastic all around. Just the suplexes. Uh, you, you mentioned the spear. Nobody's better at selling a spear than Dolph Ziggler. I just want to throw that out there. Um, he, I mean, he he takes a great spear. Going back to Edge, Goldberg, Roman, he's taking some hella spears, and this is no different. Um, I, yeah. I do have a, a, a gripe about this match. 
I don't understand why Dolph Ziggler is taking pins. You know, he should he shouldn't be taking pins right now, especially in just a tag match with him and Rude. This is where the Dirty Dogs as a main roster tag team cuz that's what they are in this in this setting with NXT 2.0. Yeah. They should be yeah. winning tag team matches. They definitely shouldn't be losing tag team matches. And Bobby Roode is right there to take the loss. I mean, what's what's he got going on that he couldn't take that loss for Ziggler? Um, I you know in WWE's mind they say, well, if we pin Champa, Zig, or you know if we pin Ziggler, Champa has a reason to be added into the Triple Threat. You know, which it you know it just a, a that's just a WWE way of thinking, and it doesn't make sense when Rude is right there and isn't involved in the title match. So, with that being said, I. I I really like what they're doing with Braun. I like who the, who he's working with. I brought it up last week. I think it's really smart that they've got like a Champa, Rude, Ziggler. They work different styles, but they all work really well, and they're all great guys for Braun to be just soaking you know knowledge from. Uh, the Triple Threat, I think next week's gonna be really good. I I think it's gonna be really really good, uh, and I'm gonna go out on a limb and I think Dolph Ziggler wins the belt at the triple threat and Braun Breaker wins it back WrestleMania day. But I got Dolph Ziggler winning the belt next week. That is definitely a possibility. I was just happy to see Braun Breaker back on his game. Cause I did not like his match very much against Santos Escobar at vengeance day a few weeks ago. Something was off. The pacing was bad. This was a Braun Breaker. We know and love the hot tag, the over suplex were everything. The spear aforementioned was fantastic to Ziggler. So he's back on track now after a rough go a few weeks ago, on sci-fi so steven what are your thoughts on this tag team match the kicked off 2.0 and the triple threat next week that could feature a title change ahead of stand and deliver i thought it was mostly an inter- a pretty good match i agree totally with scott that i don't know what else robert rude was there for in order other than to take the pin in the match that seems like a perfect explanation i don't understand pinning the top contender just before but nevertheless it was an entertaining match they did pretty well uh i have to say that uh, champa and breaker in those singlets there they looked a little bit like the in the 1980s trapper keepers i used to take to school right there those are the kind of patterns they used to have <laughs> and you know, that kind of threw me back a little bit but you're right is obviously the steiner brothers thing is so strange with wwe that you can't say the name especially because they put them in the singlets that rick and scott used to wear that bulldog off the shoulders is a move that they used to do in their squash matches against guys that rick and scott used to do so they're doing their moves they're wearing their singlets they have the fans and braun barking at the fans and they can't say that he's a steiner i don't understand they're doing everything except everyone knows that he's a steiner why not just say it it's just such a mystery you know he's Braun breaker he's from the breakers of whatever town they're the famous breaker family in athletics um yeah it's just really weird i need to know who papa breaker is papa breaker (laughs) (laughs) yeah his nickname was circuit in high school papa circuit breaker that was the guy there's Local legend. They've got, there's a there's a there's a park that's named after him down there, Circuit Breaker. But it, it, they they just won't say the doggone name. But anyway, this whole three way thing it it does kind of smell like they threw Chiampa in there to take a loss and and maybe to have Braun's triumphant moment regaining the title at uh, Mania Weekend. Perhaps uh, I'm not ready to call it just yet. I think it might be a thing where Braun just if they're really turning Braun into a steamroller. Uh, have him beat both guys perhaps in this one and then go in against somebody else at mania it could be that it's really 50 50 to me i could see it going either way and uh but the other thing i noticed too is that that moment of hearing 
the song Glorious again, which I pop for. I, I, I love that song. I thought it was great. I was in attendance when uh, Rude beat Shinsuke Nakamura for the NXT title, and Oh, that wow. entrance was special. That was fabulous, and and Nakamura had a terrific one as well. So that was that was a lot of fun. But um, him on that rotating platform as everybody sang along, it was that was a special entrance. I don't know if you could get Dolph much uh, more over as a heel than having his music cut off Glorious so quickly as it did. <laughs> and I don't know if that was intentional, but if it was, it's genius because it was glorious and everybody was just like sucking in air, ready to belt out the next phrase. And then Ziggler's music hits and everyone's like, oh, shit. It's just great. It's just like everybody was just like, oh, this bastard, this bastard Dolph Ziggler. We were going to sing. Yeah, it was great. So I enjoyed that. And it was a good way to start that show. And, and you're right. Above average NXT this week. Yes, and I'm going to call it right now. This triple threat would be one of the best triple threats of the year in WWE. And I hope this match is commercial free. So here's hoping that Mountain Dew or (laughs) progressive sponsors the last half an hour of NXT to give us this quality match commercial free. I just love the dynamic of these three working together. And Ziggler has been reinvigorated onto Parnell. He just feels like a different star because I have not given a solitary shit about Dolph Ziggler for five years in <laughs> so WWE. True. So true. And he's so and he's so great on 2.0, trolling the fans in Florida saying, hey, Ciampa, when are you going to get out of here, kid? When are you going to get those training wheels off and be a real star on Monday Night Raw? I love Dolph Ziggler on NXT saying I'm the biggest star here and you're big in Florida. You're big in Orlando. You're big here. You're not big anywhere else. So I just love that shit talking Dolph Ziggler that feels like a star unlike Monday Night Raw, which tends to be, as Scott liked to say, Earth 3 for Ziggler and Rude most weeks. <laughs> and next up is round one of the Women's Dusty Cup continuing on 2.0. I thought these matches were better than last week outings featuring Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu versus Persia Parada and Andy Hartwell. And we had Valentina Feroz and Ulysses Leon versus, I do believe, ah, oh yes, the random ass tag team of Cora <laughs> Jade and Raquel Gonzalez. And I enjoy these matches for what they were. I love the kookiness of Wendy Chu and Dakota Kai's attack. Team Dakota Kai talking to herself. She has more voices in her head than Randy Orton, and I find it very endearing. <laughs> and the fans are starting to love her once again. Is that kooky baby face that hears voices? And I love them as a tag team for some reason. And I got to say this for Valentina and Ulisa. I really like them as a tag team. That dive that Valentina took was goddamn dangerous. <laughs> but I like their potential. Raquel saved a life that night. But I like their potential. I want them to run Florida desperately. I know it's not cost effective. But if you let them work six months on the road every friday saturday and sunday i guarantee you they might be one of the coldest tag teams male or female in all of wwe i like what they can offer as a tag team they put about 97 percent of the tag teams representing the women's division to shame because they really work together but that greenness it comes in and out but if they just worked on the road they'll be better for it but overall i liked the matches i will say for cora jade that she needs to retire the Hurricanrana until she can actually do it. It just doesn't mm. look right, no matter how she does it. It's just something's missing for me with Corey J. She's got that Lita, AJ Lee quality, 
but it's not there yet. She has moments, but it's very few and far between. And Raquel carries a team, which is good, but there's something missing for Cora. She's got some personality, which I like, but the in-ring stuff has a long way to go. And as I always mention on this show, green on green does not work. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on round two of the first round of the Dusty Cup as we are now out of the quarters and into the semis for the Dusty Cup? I walked away from that show thinking about Faraz and and uh, Valentina. Um, am I getting their name? Valentina and Faraz, is that it? Uh, I'm sorry. The Ulyssa Leon, pardon me. Valentina Faraz and uh, Ulyssa Leon. Sorry about that, ladies. You deserve better than that. I messed up your name. Sorry. But I thought they were terrific once they got moving. Now, like, there was a bit of a mess in the beginning with Cora, like you mentioned, that the Hurricane Rana that didn't work. But once they hit those dives, the rest of the match picked up, and there's definitely potential with those two. And... You know they have the outfits and they had the dancing thing going on before the the match started and it was a it's a decent entrance it's a good uh, it's a good gimmick for the, the two of them and they seem to work well together I agree there's a lot of potential there Kai and Chu I was really surprised at how the fans just took immediately back to Dakota Kai it's like they were waiting for it like oh good we get to cheer Dakota again we'll do it and we'll go right along with it and they just fell right back into cheering for Dakota she is kind of endearing with this it is kind of working and and Wendy. Whatever you have her do, whether she's a thousand-year-old woman or or it's a sleepy time, Wendy, uh, she puts her heart into everything. She has wonderful facial expressions. Like that, that that she almost has that Disney Pixar type of huge eyes and and animated face, and it works. So entertaining. Uh, not is it? Are they the best wrestlers? Not yet. Like you said, need the coconut circuit, and that's going to come into a, a topic here in just a little bit. That coconut circuit not being there, but uh, in the meantime, this was this is fairly decent stuff. Cora and Raquel, it's it's going to be difficult, uh, but you know they're getting in there with some better teams now, and they're going to have that dynamic of Raquel and Dakota in a different way now. That now that Dakota is kind of lovable again. Now she's going to run into Raquel in the next round. And then there's going to be the other match on the other side. And you got Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray. And Io Shirai and anyone else is probably the best tag team in NXT's women division. And uh, they, they should have a decent match with Maybe they can have a, get a decent match out of Casey and JoJo, as I think they were called a few weeks ago. <laughs> the greatest nickname. Which I'm still giggling I've about. I've never heard on this Still show. giggling about it's it when they come It's still good. Yes, all my life I waited for them to team together and it feels so good. <laughs> it never gets old. I mean, Scott dropping that two weeks ago yeah. was a bless on this show. It's a blessing to me as a fan and as a host and to all of our guest hosts. It's the gift that truly keeps on giving with KC and JoJo facing Io Shirai and Kayla Ray for round two. Mention this though, honest thing, note to make here. I don't know who's going to win this tournament. Like the team that seems to be the most talented is Kaylee and EO, because like I said, EO and anybody, and Kaylee Ray's fine, she's pretty good, but EO and anybody is the best team. But there's really no story in them winning it. It's just they're just kind of a makeshift tag team that's put together because, um, because uh, EO's partner uh, got hurt. So, of the other three teams, I'm honestly not sure who's going to come out with this thing. And the any of the other three, you could make a, a little bit of a case for that they're going to try to jumpstart them as 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 a tag team and build them up for Toxic Attraction. But the one thing that I'll say about this Dusty Cup, I thought that Diamond Mine was going to win the Men's Dusty Cup, and I was pretty confident of it, and they went on to do it. And that was fine. It's going to be a pretty interesting thing when they take on Imperium, but this women's uh, Dusty Cup is wide open, so uh, I I'm interested. It it's, it's a part of the show that I'm interested in because I honestly don't know what's going to happen with it. 
if I had a dark horse, I would definitely pick Dakota Kai and Wendy Chu. There's something about them as a team that I like a lot. And Dakota might gain a friend out of all of this, something that she thought she would never have again. And she needs trust in a friendship. And Wendy Chu is that reliable, sleepy friend you can rely on <laughs> during those times of trouble. And the next matchup is Dakota Kai facing off against Raquel Gonzalez, her former friend. Yeah. And that's going to really stir up some memories. And hopefully it gives Dakota Kai a win at the end of the day. So, Scott, after a rough first week of the Dusty Cup, it seems as if we're a bit back on track as things should be much better the rest of the way through heading into the semis and ultimately the finals. So I, I came away from this with a couple thoughts. thoughts. Uh, you know, one of them was you bring up Casey and Jojo. They've been there for like 10 years. And I <laughs> thought that uh, Leon and Valentina, I, I thought that they were miles ahead of them, you know, and, and, and they, I think they just got there. I, I agree with both of you. I thought I came away from them thinking, I can't wait to see them wrestle again. Like I can't wait to watch them get better. And I agree. They definitely do have some spots they need to work on, but some of their tag team maneuvers are were really impressive and were different. They were unique. They were stuff that I you don't normally see, um, especially from a, from the tag division. I hope that they took out uh, Raquel Gonzalez for dinner after that match because she definitely did save that girl's life. I just want to throw that out there. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, but the move the move was impressive though. You know, like that we come away from thinking like the move was impressive. The team was impressive. I came away from that match thinking Raquel Gonzalez, when she went on that monster rampage at the end, she looks like a top level uh, uh, wrestler right there. She looks top level when she was mauling people. She looks like somebody who on the main roster, the machine could really get behind. She's got a great look. I hate the little back pose she does. It's, I don't know. It's just really awkward to me, but I, I think she has a great look when she comes out with the motorcycle and stuff like she she's got something to her when she was running through those women man she looked like a beast so i i man steven you know you bring up a good point about who can win and how this is wide open you know i was i was high on on raquel and cora but then i see her as that singles and i just i think there's way too much potential as her with her as a singles to have her stuck in a tag team so I, you know, I, I think the Wendy Chu Dakota Kai dynamic is the way to go because I think it does make the most sense. Um, you know, it gives Dakota Kai a friend. It gives, you know, and like you said, you both mentioned the fans are ready to latch on to her. So there's an instant connection there. Wendy Chu has a connection. The fans already like her. I love her reverse frog splash. I think that's a, a thing of beauty. Um, so, oh, man, that's, it is wide open. It's tough, man. Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray. You can't go wrong with them because maybe maybe Toxic Attraction is still winning the match and they want to go with two veterans who they know can get the best match out of them. So you could go that route too. I could definitely tell you they would be crazy to go with Casey and JoJo. But, um, you know, I I, I, I I don't know, man. I, I think I'll go with EO and Kaylee Ray. I I think I'll, I'll put my bets with them. Um, but... I wouldn't be surprised if it was Dakota and Wendy Chu, but I'm going to go with EO and Kaylee Ray because I think they want the best match possible for that WrestleMania weekend match. I think if Zoe Stark had not blown out her knee, I think EO and Zoe would be winning this. And I think they'd be winning the titles too. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think Zoe Stark is terrific talent. And I was really sad when she blew out her knee. I think she's a, she's a star in the making also. But I think it did throw things a little bit more wide open there. But it really could. I mean, I, you can make a case for all of them except uh, Casey and JoJo, who are too busy with Briggs and Stratton or whoever they are anyway. You know what, Stephen? You bring up uh, you bring up about uh, Zoe being injured and whatnot. Maybe that is the story for her to come back. Maybe they do win the titles, and that kind of is the catalyst for Zoe coming back. And maybe we get Zoe coming back as a heel um, and turns mm-hmm. on Io Shirai or something like that. So that that could be a catalyst for the story. Because I agree with you. I thought the I think Zoe has a great look herself. And I thought she was improving. She was getting better. And eventually she was going to have a feud with Io Shirai. And I still think that's the way to go. So I, may, you know what, I kind of I actually am more confident in my pick after what you said. Because I could see that being <laughs> the catalyst for her return in the story. So thank you for that. I'm about to go put some money down. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> Will Scott be broke the next time we record this show? <laughs> That is the question. Steven has led Scott down a path of Io Shirai and Kayla Ray winning the Dusty Cup for the ladies. And we'll see if these predictions hold up, depending when these matches take place on 2.0, heading into Stand and Deliver. And now, we've alluded to the coconut circuit before <laughs> and just moments ago. And I have to talk about yeah. Lash Legend versus Amari Miller. Oof. And this was a very tough match to watch. Yep. It was not good at all. I will say that Lash has a nice big boot, and that's about it. Amari Miller is a bit better, but she's still very green as well. And I'm not going to condemn the ladies because they went out there to do a job, but I am blaming the booker. I am blaming who put the match together. I am blaming the trainers and the coaches. I'm blaming the showrunner, Shawn Michaels. I'm blaming everybody that had a chain in command of this match because it's not fit for TV and you have an XT level up. And I don't think Lash is ready for that as well. There is something about WWE trying to tell someone you need to be good in this amount of time. You need to be ready for TV two months into your tenure as a WWE PC trainee. I don't believe that whatsoever. Everybody cannot be a Braun breaker or Carmelo Hayes or a Tony D'Angelo. It's unicorns in that regard. Everybody can't catch this smoke as being a professional wrestler. It doesn't come easily for everybody. And sometimes you do have to work behind the scenes and work on your craft. And Lash does have presence and personality for days. She had a talk show. Let her get over by doing a talk show for right now. Let her be the antagonist stirring up shit on our talk show for a bit. And then when it's time for her to graduate to live TV to do matches, then you'll know. And I do respect the fact that WWE is trying to weed out the people that are not cut out for being a wrestler within six months to a year behind the scenes, but not on TV. It's very sink or swim. And I don't want people being set up for failure by having you on TV, falling in your face and hurting people without meaning to you don't mean to hurt people but shit happens and it should not happen when people are not ready for prime time and i feel that way with lash legend and amari miller with that match that ended with amari miller getting a concussion and that sucked for her and she has potential as well but it's all about putting people in positions to succeed and the best way to do that is to utilize the coconut circuit in florida i know that it's not cost effective it is going to bleed money for wwe but you're worth billions of dollars if you got 200 people watching a show 
fine. But you need to get out of the four walls of the PC and have these men and women gain experience in front of different crowds every weekend. That PC is an echo chamber. They will tell you what you want to hear every Tuesday night. You got to get out of that. You got to get better on the road, getting reps, getting experience that you cannot get running reps at the PC. And that's what's frustrating for me. You got level up now. That's a nice go-to for those who are almost ready for prime time, but not yet because your matches can be edited. You can't edit shit on this show. It's live most weeks. And I thought that whoever put this match together for Amari Miller and Lash Legend did a disservice to them. And WWE needs to stop having criteria of you need to be ready for this in three months. You must be here in six months. You must be ready for a takeover in nine months. No. Everybody works at their own pace. And you do have a timeline behind the scenes that works for you, but don't apply that to your TV shows as this is a nationally televised show every single week. And I do not need to see green people work together, which creates absolute messes that we saw this past Tuesday. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on this matchup between Lash Legend and Amari Miller and the need for WWE to reinstitute the coconut circuit for 2.0? My my first thought watching this match was this is why, you know, you keep some of those veterans. This is why a Mercedes Martinez is perfect for would have been perfect for a two point This is why you keep, you know, wrestlers like that and why you match them up with some of this younger talent. Lash Legend, in all honesty, like I, I, I may not agree with it, but she should be facing off against like an Eo Shirai. You know, somebody who can lead and carry her to a match. Amari Miller, same thing. She should be facing off with someone who can lead them. You know, they you you mentioned Akila uh, green on green. That's all you're gonna get is green. You know, it's not gonna change the color. Nothing changes when you mix green with green. You know what I mean? You're not you don't get something different. So I, I just think that in this, like, look at what they're doing with with the guys, and I, I think that should be what they should be doing with the women. The guys are all matched up with a veteran, somebody who's been in the game for a while, somebody who knows the system. Carmelo's doing it with Pete Dunn. L.A. Knight's doing it with Grayson Waller. Uh, Braun Breakers, we already mentioned Braun Breaker. He's in there with three guys who have you know probably twenty years between you know each of them. So I think the same thing should be applied to the women in that there should be some type of veteran presence in all of these feuds, in these matches, even if it's just somebody on the outside, you know, being a manager to Lash Legend. Why can't Lash Legend just be an outside presence right now? We know she can talk. Let her be a mouthpiece. With her size, how different of an act would that be for her to be the mouthpiece for somebody? You know, that's that's something different because of her size, because of how good she can talk. And then when she gets in the ring, she can do her thing, you know, and she's different from a China. She's different from these other women. She has her own look and her own style. So I I just think there's opportunity. Everybody doesn't have to be a wrestler to be successful in WWE. And I think that's something else, too. She could have I mean, even if she doesn't work as a wrestler, I think she could be a great manager for somebody. I I think her look and just because she has a presence to her there's no doubt about that when she's on the screen you're interested you're intrigued by her so i I just think that there are other options but like they have to just you know they don't have to be wrestlers there are other things you could do and i think lash legend there are other opportunities for her that could really make her great if this wrestling thing doesn't work i think she'd be a great manager Yeah, she's got the gift of gab. She's got something. And that's something that a lot of people 
don't have in WWE. They don't have that personality that stands out to make you a cut above the rest. But it's just unfortunate for her to be put in this situation when she's not ready. I'm not blaming her because she only knows what she knows. But do what she's good at. She's great at talking. She's great at delivering a big, a big boot time and time again when need be. But the mechanics aren't there, unfortunately. And I'm not saying it's never going to be there. But she needs time to finesse. The maturation process is different for so many people. I look at Tiffany Stratton this past Tuesday, and apparently what I said about her a month ago, they've toned down the daddy's girl gimmick, and she has gotten better on TV, and I like that. So there's potential there. But my goodness, they just have to really hone in on who they put on TV and how you put them on TV, because now you want to put Lash and Nikita Lyons together, and that's green on green as well. That's not going to end well. And I don't know how the hell they're going to book that match. I think they're trying to recreate Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez from a couple of years ago, no, that's not going to work. We'll see how it goes. But I just want more for Lash Legend, such as get better training behind the scenes off television, preferably. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on this matchup and WWE needing to reutilize the Coconut Circuit once again? Until the Coconut Circus come, Circuit comes back, I'm just very curious as to why they're setting these people up to fail like this because... I have to believe that they're doing matches in workouts and in practice and they're before they go on TV, they have to, right? They have to be working on these matches. They have to be having practice matches during these sessions. And I just have to think there's no way that Lash Legend, being as green as she is, went in and tore the house down in practice and everyone looked around and says, oh, she's ready. She had, they had to know that she's not ready before she got in there. And that's not, you're exactly right. It's not her fault. She's being thrown out there like that. They have to see that, well, she's got a boot. All right. She's got Kevin Nash's move set down. Check that one off. Now what else? And, but that's it. And so far, that's all she's got. And they have to see that in practice. They have to see that during workouts that she doesn't have the timing. She doesn't have the smoothness. She doesn't have the, the move set yet. And all that's yet. She definitely has potential. She's certainly athletic. She definitely has charisma. Setting her up to fail on national television isn't going to get that done. We talked about the coconut circuit. No, it's not cost effective. But every company that produces a product, and in the end, professional wrestling is a product. It is sports entertainment is a product. The whole thing is content. It's all about producing content. It is a product. Every company that produces products has an R&D department. That R&D department is not expected to make money. The R&D department is to come up with products that eventually make money. That's what NXT needs to be thought of. NXT needs to be thought of as R&D. You can't sit there and count dimes and quarters and pennies and say, no, we're not going to do the things that are going to make stars down the road because they aren't cost-effective tomorrow. It's short-sighted. It's not doing them a service. It's doing them a disservice by ignoring that aspect of it and just not having those shows. Yes, 200 people show up. Yes, it loses money. Not the point. The point is for these people to be ready to draw you money down the road later. It's supposed to be the R&D department. That's what it's supposed to be. That's the way they should be looking at it. Right now, they have Nick Khan in charge, and I'm not going to crap on him. He's doing exactly what he's brought there to do, which I think and from the beginning, I thought the reason you bring Nick Khan into the company was prepared to be sold. I think they're going to try to sell out to either Universal or Fox or something like that for billions of dollars. And I think that's why he's there. And that's why he's paring down 
both in the roster, on the talent roster. He's paring down things behind the scenes. There's a lot of cost cutting for a company that makes hundreds of millions of dollars. And the reason you do that is try to make the balance sheet look as good as possible to sell it. And I think that's part of it. And, and unfortunately, this research and development department, which doesn't have a champion anymore because Triple H has been benched, and it's run by the same people that are kissing Vince's ass every day, it doesn't have a champion anymore saying, look, we've got to do this in order to build people for later. And uh, right now, what we're seeing is stuff like poor Amari Miller and poor Last Legend uh, getting just thrown to the wolves out there. And it, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But uh, until they get those reps in, I don't see it improving. Yeah. And you just preached the whole word just then. And the sad part is one day, and it happened with um, Chris Masters and Jill McIntyre, they got the push way too yeah. early. And then they figured it out. And then, well... You didn't meet our deadline for figuring it out, so therefore we're not going to push you despite your improvements. I hope that doesn't happen for Lash and Amari Miller, but it's got to be a better way than this. And if you really want to build for the future, you've got to make those sacrifices. Mm -hmm. you got to eat the cost. you got to go on the red for a bit. It would benefit so many people down the road. Bianca Belair would not be as good as she is without the coconut syrup. Oh, absolutely. Period. Rhea Ripley. Period. Street Profits. Exactly, yeah. and seeing the growth of Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, the coconut circuit was a, the coconut circuit was a godsend for so many stars of today that ran that circuit heading into their main roster run in WWE. And it's fun, and you get to interact with different people every single week and try different stuff and find out who you are as a performer. You can't do that at the PC, hearing the same two hundred people say the same shit every single right. week. And you know the thing is, though, we're talking about again a company that has a billion dollars coming in from Peacock over the course of five years they have hundreds of millions of dollars coming in from fox and universal running a national guard armory in florida doesn't cost that much money to them just doesn't if whether it, oh it's losing money how much is it really losing guys a few hundred each shot that's nothing you had a guy take a baseball bat to an atv for no reason on the show last week take the atv money and rent some halls <laughs> With that Mattel money that got for said ATV. <laughs> well, I'll be able I'll be right. able to if I win this bet that uh, Stephen talked me into. So <laughs> there you go. We can run some halls for you with the money that Scott's going to clean up with. <laughs> and as always, we'll see if Scott does hit the mother load. If not, then Stephen is all your fault for this spot bet and, from hell. And if you never hear me again, uh, never hear of me again as a guest on this show, we will know why exactly. <laughs> At least until Scott I get my money. And Steven. <laughs> He's going to get it some way, somehow. He's going to send D'Angelo after me. <laughs> All right. Now it's time for our main event featuring Carmelo Hayes versus Pete Dunne for the North American Championship. And Carmelo Hayes does not miss once again against Pete Dunne, arguably the best worker on 2.0. And here's a staggering stat. This dude's been in the U.S. for nearly three years now, repping black and gold, and he's never won a championship on NXT USA. What the hell? Seriously. And unfortunately, he did not win a North American Championship this past Tuesday. But this was a really good main event. I think he needed a bit more time to really sizzle. But Carmelo once again shows his versatility as a performer by giving a strong style this time, giving us a little bit of that 
heavy back and forth action, some strikes, some kicks, a lot of versatility with his performance on Tuesday against Pete Dunne, who always brings it in the ring. And supporting player Trick Williams always causing trouble at ringside, helping his guy down the stretch. And when Carmelo Hayes hit that elevator leg drop to pin Pete Dunne to retain that championship, we find out that... Carmelo would defend that North America championship in a ladder match at Stand and Deliver in Dallas, Texas on WrestleMania Saturday afternoon, which should be very good. And he noted this was how the championship was inaugurated nearly four years ago with Adam Cole becoming the first champion. And here's a fun stat of the week of the guys that were in that match back in 2018. Oh, Ricochet is the only man left standing in WWE. Wow. He's outlasted everyone in that match. Mm-mm-mm. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on that stat and the matchup that wrapped up in XT 2.0 via Pete Dunne versus Carmelo Hayes for the North American Championship? Oh, my first thought when, when you mentioned that is Laura Sullivan, so there's that. Um, I, uh, the, uh, I'm actually really excited about this. I love what they're doing with Carmelo Hayes. I, I think he, you know, we, I rave about Braun Breaker. I, I think they've done a great job with him, but Carmelo Hayes has just been fantastic. Him and Trick Williams is a money act. And I, I said this before that really worries me because they're fantastic and you know WWE likes to break up fantastic things before they move them to the main roster so I'm kind of worried about it at the same time this match was good I I think Hayes has had better defenses Um, you know the Pete Dunne thing is is crazy to think about because he's been one of the more protected people during his time in NXT too when you really think about it he doesn't really lose that often um, he's probably lost more during this 2.0 stint than maybe his entire run before that as far as singles losses. In all honesty, he was really protected. So I'm actually surprised he didn't get a run at some point. I still think he might if he stays there because I don't see him being called up to the main roster anytime soon. Um, I this, this match, this ladder match, I wonder if it's just going to be against everybody that he's already defeated and then he beats him again in a ladder match. I'd like for it to be different people, but I, I see everybody that he's defeated being in this ladder match somehow. He has tapped on the Twitter door of to- Kofi Kingston saying, can you come by, mm-hmm. send and deliver, be a part of this matchup, maybe some main roster synergy happening perhaps i would love to see it but i do agree with scott that this feel, it does feel like it's going to be pete dunn and maybe perhaps let's think about this for a Roderick. second cameron grimes in the mix as well roger strong and maybe a few other people maybe some main roster surprises would be nice to see as well but we'll see as we head into stand and deliver i know tony d's been angling for a title shot as well so that's not impossible either and that could be a show stealer come wrestlemania saturday morning from dallas texas and now it's time to discuss the interview that shocked the world on thursday allegedly involving pat mcafee's talk with Vince McMahon that went over the allowed time on his show and Vince McMahon showing up in his best business casual attire on Thursday afternoon, rocking sneakers, jeans, the blazer, the open collar. 
I was like, wow, this is chill Vince before he loses his fucking mind <laughs> right before SmackDown on Friday night. So I thought this was a fluff interview piece. It was nothing earth shattering. I do like Vince in this relaxed setting of him being himself somewhat and cutting the shit with Pat McAfee and cursing a bit, which was refreshing to hear and see and telling Michael Cole he's a terrible person. That was nice as well. So I just thought this was a fine, basic interview that really didn't light my world on fire. I did give Vince several side eyes saying, we listen to our fans. Hmm. They're our focus group every Monday and Friday night. We listen to their thoughts and opinions and we try to go with it. And I'm like, well, you do that sometimes when happenstance happens and you have no other choice, but mostly not. Nah. But all in all, this was a fine interview that was not in any way an angle. It wasn't some kind of way to force something on SmackDown, which happened later on, but it wasn't an outright angle of bullshit like Adam Cole running away from the interview nearly two years ago when he appeared on Pat McAfee's show. So, Stephen, what are your takeaways from Vince's appearance on Pat McAfee's show? Like you said, it was definitely a softball interview. And the thing that struck me was when McAfee who apparently had taken a, a bunch of no-dos or something and he was just hopped up even more than usual in this thing and he was doing like weird impressions and they were doing the what back to him and the other the sidekicks and things and vince looked like he had been trapped in an elevator with a crazed fan <laughs> he was just sitting there looking at this guy's like who is this mark my god i have to sit here and like like and he's just like with this little odd awkward smile on his face like oh you're, you do an impression oh you're doing a stone cold impression oh good you know like he just had this awkward like he was in an elevator with a guy that just started saying oh you're vince mcmahon man i love your wrestling i love vince you know steve austin's great Whoa. and he just was like can i just give you an autograph and leave would that be okay if i just gave you an autograph and left <laughs> and uh, that's kind of how he looked through a lot of that interview i think he's like looking at pat just because this guy is a little much for me uh, this I'm, I'm, I'm almost 80 years old i don't know if i need all this energy but uh you know pat's you know pat's very excited to be there and and he and he, and he should be and he's about to be uh in, in a really prominent spot at a mania which he probably never dreamed he would be so i can understand why he was excited it was nice to see vince kind of dial it back a little bit and just like you said be himself it was fine it, it wasn't like you said what nothing earth shattering in there a couple of funny moments and other than that it was mostly harmless and i think after the previous interviews he did with Bob Costas and Armin Katayan and all that, as long as he just doesn't do something to just completely embarrass the company, it's a win. For sure. And I think this might be a little teaser into the Netflix documentary dropping sometime this year on Vince McMahon. And I know he was very sensitive about his childhood, and I expect some of that to come out via the documentary. Oof. So I like Vince the human a little bit. It's going to be a rough go, I believe. It's going to be a lot of romanticizing yeah, yeah. his time in WWE. I can't imagine that thing's going to be accurate. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of bullshit, but Ugh. I do want him to dive into a bit of his personal life which i think he's very guarded about with good reason but i want to see that human side of vince versus the guy that is deemed the devil most of the time for good reason by the way but you know i like to see elements of vince everything about him is not totally evil it's a very fine gray area for vince and he did announce on the interview that he will be inducting the, the undertaker into the wwe hall of fame on April 1st after SmackDown around 10.30 p.m. Eastern from Dallas, Texas. It's going to be a long-ass taping Ooh. watching SmackDown and the Hall of Fame ceremony back-to-back. -back. And Vince was very cordial and very almost emotional about inducting The Undertaker into the Hall of Fame, which he rarely is in these type of settings. 
He's got a soft spot for Undertaker. Scott, you saw that on that thing that they did on the WWE Network. I'm sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to interrupt your time here. But I, it, you just see a different thing from Vince when it comes to the Undertaker. He does have a, sp- a very special relationship with that guy. And, of course, drew him a lot of money and everything. But I, it, it does seem to be a little bit more than that with those two. There's deeper secrets between those two, for sure. <laughs> That's and probably true, too. talked about that during the interview. There are some things legally he knows about. There are some things illegally he knows oh, about God. in some ways. And I don't think that's going to be a part of the Vince documentary, but you do sense a lot of love and respect between those two. And it does come from a real place. And Vince rarely lets that side show. And it was nice to see on Thursday. So, Scott, what are your initial takeaways from Pat McAfee's interview with Vince McMahon, who everybody thought was going to go Barbara Walters on him? But Pat McAfee is no Barbara Walters. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I, I, you know, I, I think anyone expecting this to be 60 minutes on Vince McMahon, uh, just, you know, they, <laughs> they had to. Well, they weren't as underwhelmed as we were this week by the billionaires, but they had to be pretty underwhelmed with the interview. Um, but I, I thought it was fine. I, I, I got a kick out of it. You know, Vince McMahon was a lot of fun. He called Michael Cole a horrible human being, and that, that got a <laughs> kick out of everybody. Pat McAfee was cutting promos. I, you know, I couldn't tell if it was legit or not, but when he was like, you know, I'm going to offer you a match at WrestleMania, and, and, and Pat was like, are you serious, boss? Are you for real? Are you for real? Like, you know, that was cool. It was a cool little moment. It's cool for the show. Um, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Uh, I think the match will be good. You know, I'm glad it's not going to be Vince McMahon. The Undertaker was, I mean, that's, that's Vince McMahon's baby pretty much. You know, he watched that baby go from a, a toddler to this, uh, this undeniable being, this mythical creature that was the Undertaker, you know, that was greater than, 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 than life, you know, bigger than life that he kept guarded. So I can completely understand you know, this is pretty. This is pretty much him being enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I think to Vince is really saying, "This is the end. This is legit. The end of the Undertaker. This is that. This is it." So, I, you know, it. This is really about as human as we're gonna get with Vince McMahon, because like you both have mentioned, when this documentary comes out, it's we we already we already know what it is. We know what we're getting. You know, we just want to see how far we're gonna take it. But this is about as human as we're going to get with Vince McMahon. And you know what? I, I, I'd go get a beer with this Vince McMahon. I don't know if I take any advice from him, but I'd definitely go let him buy me a beer. For sure. And Scott, I want you to do that Vince impersonation more often. That was pretty great, <laughs> by the way. That's <laughs> only because he's older now. I'm going to give you a match at WrestleMania. That's his exact energy every time he's backstage at Austin Theory every Monday. That exact low-key energy. As we segue to Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, which features apparently the number two baby face on Smackdown, Ricochet, <laughs> versus Sami Zayn for the Intercontinental Championship. A great opener. I thought that Ricochet was on fire during this matchup. He was sensational. And apparently he is going to be the number two guy right behind you, McIntyre, on SmackDown moving forward. And if it takes firing a bunch of people to have Ricochet be in that top-tier spot on that top-shelf level, congrats to you, sir. It's long overdue. He's uber-talented. 
and he got the win thanks to an assist from Johnny Knoxville coming out to troll Sami Zayn, calling Sami Zayn a chump. And Ricochet hit that Rana, spiked him for the win, and he is now the IC champion. And according to WWE history, he's the only man to win the North American, U.S. and IC title during his tenure in WWE, which is pretty damn amazing. So I thought this was a great opener to SmackDown, and most importantly, for fans that had their concerns about the integrity of the IC title being compromised with Johnny Knoxville challenging Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. Rest easy, folks. That match would not be for a title. It would be a straight-up grudge match involving strong-style Johnny Knoxville versus <laughs> Sami Zayn, and that could be a sneaky good match at WrestleMania because Johnny's going to take those licks and encourage Sami to hit him harder. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on the opener of SmackDown and now – the Knoxville Sami Zayn match being official without the gold on the line. Man, Ricochet is the ultimate mid-card champion. Um, I, I thought the match was fantastic. I, I Just a great eight-minute sprint. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, the very first move, which was that inside cradle, I bought it. And I like... Because they held on to that two count for a little bit longer than they normally do. And Sami Zayn's the type of champion who you could believe would lose the belt that quickly, especially the way they played into the Johnny Knoxville being in his head and whatnot. So you could very easily believe that. I thought the match was really good. Ricochet did seem to have a little extra pep in his step, but then now you understand why because he knew he was winning the title. So, of course, he's going to have a little extra get-go to him. Um I'm actually glad that this title's not involved. It doesn't make sense from Johnny Knoxville's perspective. Why wouldn't you have Sami Zayn be the champion to get, you know, for your match so you could be the IC champion? But, you know, logic aside, I, I, I liked what they did there. And, yeah, I, I expect Johnny Knoxville to take some ridiculous jackass of a bump, um, but it still win the match. He'll find a way. So, Stephen, now that you can rest easy now knowing <laughs> that the integrity, the prestige, the honor of being IC champion would not be sullied with Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn for the title at WrestleMania. But I was not opposed to it because Johnny Knoxville is fucking over with these people. It's incredible. And he's an endearing baby face that cuts a great promo, talks his shit, whoops ass, and takes a beating like no other. And on top of that, Ricochet now is in the same conversation as Drew McIntyre, as that go-to babyface who's over on SmackDown with the title to boot now. I'm very happy for it. it. It it reminds me an awful lot of what happened on Monday with Finn Balor winning the U.S. title, which is anything good that happens to this man's career, I'm, I'm excited about. I, he's one of the most insanely talented human beings that's walked that aisle, and they've done just nothing with him on the main roster almost, really, for as long as he's been there. It's been an incredible waste. He's had way too many matches on main event and not enough on Sundays. Or He's had too much on main event, not enough on Mondays and Fridays. He's terrific. This match was terrific. It shows you how he should have been a top-level babyface for a long time. I am hoping this is the beginning of him continuing to be. And, uh, the, you know, for a place that is star for babyfaces, I think it could be a terrific one. I'm excited about it. I'm glad he won it. And, yeah, I mean, I 
I was laughing about the idea of Johnny Knoxville winning the Intercontinental title. I thought that's where it was headed. And uh, But, you know, if that means that Ricochet is going to get a nice featured match somewhere along there in WrestleMania, well, then uh, everyone's coming out a winner then. So that's that's good. And, and you're right about Knoxville, by the way. He's been terrific in this. I'm going to get to him later when we do the guilty pleasures and the, and the avoid at all costs. But uh, he's done his part, absolutely. It was a nice piece of timing right there with, with his little bit of uh, semi-interference. But that match was uh, a lot of fun to watch. Both those guys, crazy talented. And uh, if they want to run it back a few times, I'm there for it. And Ricochet at WrestleMania, I am certainly excited about. Me too. And shout out to Ricochet's girlfriend, Samantha Irwin, who is probably their best WWE ring announcer in ages. She's been on the job for a month and she's damn good at announcing matches and running down the resume of people. She's really good. So, Ricochet, you're winning in life <laughs> and in matches as well. So, congrats to you, sir. Next up is Pat McAfee's WrestleMania opponent being revealed at long last. And as I predicted, as I expected, I did not think for one solitary moment Vince McMahon's old ass would be a part of WrestleMania. He's 76. He doesn't like to be on TV that much. He wasn't even on a SmackDown when he was teased backstage with the sign on the door. Come to find out, Pat McAfee's actual opponent will be none other than Austin Theory, noted MSG main eventer against Brock. Lesnar for the WWE title this past Saturday and Austin Theory wants to shut Pat McAfee up at WrestleMania and he goes face to face with Pat McAfee and he slaps the headset off McAfee and Pat loses it he drops an F-bomb. He calls Austeria a bitch. He turns around looking for Jimmy Butler. Oh, Jimmy's gone to the bathroom. Who is this? Who is this? Who is this? I don't know him. He was like, Mariah Carey, I don't know her. I don't know this man. He blamed Michael Cole, said, you know everything, Michael. You are a horrible person, like Vince McMahon said. It took about two segments for Pat McAfee to calm down, but I loved it. And that's a taste of Pat grabbing that mic and reading Austin Theory for filth very, very soon. So Steven, what are your thoughts on this matchup being official for WrestleMania and the idea of Pat McAfee showing up and showing out on the grandest stage of them all? Well, I just want to put over our host once again, because as all these rumors came out that there was an internal memo going around WWE that showed Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee, and that's going to be the match, and that's going to be there. Keela Cash immediately just said it is not going to happen. It will be Austin Theory. And Austin Theory has now become everyone's surprise opponent two days in a row. The guy shows up and shocks somebody. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. Um, so that's uh, Pat McAfee and Austin Theory, obviously, is going to be a much better match than Pat McAfee and Vince McMahon. Pat trains with Rip Rogers from OVW, the guy that trained, uh, you know, that finished up uh, the uh, training of John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Brock Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin in, in, in Louisville. And Pat lives up in Indianapolis and he works with Rip. He worked with Rip going into the Adam Cole match. And I have, I don't know why they wouldn't go back to that and help him work on this one. And, and if they put together a good match, lay it out, we know that Pat is more than capable of executing it. And, and I know that that match with Cole was heavily basically choreographed, but that's okay when you're only wrestling every once in a while and it comes out that damn good. So I think this is a sleeper. I think in the end, we're going to be talking about this one going, that one was really nice. I think that was a terrific match. I think we're going to have that with McAfee and Theory. It's certainly an improvement over Vince trying to get back in there, but uh, I'm, 
I find myself looking forward to this match. And McAfee's reaction to it was almost exactly what you would expect somebody's reaction to be to getting punked like that on television. I think he did a good job. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to this. I, it's definitely a sigh of relief that it's not going to be Vince in that ring. I did not want that. And uh, this has a potential. Yes, deep breath. It's not going to be Vince, thankfully. And I honestly believe that Pat McAfee is going to put on a show. He showed what he can do against Cole at TakeOver 30 nearly two years ago in War Games as well. This dude hopped off a cage for crying out loud and took hellacious bumps throughout. So this guy is going to put on an absolute show. And Theory and McAfee have hops for days. Mm -hmm. Their agility and their vertical leaps are highly underrated. And they're going to probably produce a hell of a WrestleMania match if given the time. And I just love Pat's energy and just cursing out Michael Cole was everything, saying, <laughs> you're in on this, aren't you? You know everything that happens in WWE. In WWE. You didn't tip me off, you son of a bitch. I just loved it. <laughs> so, Scott, now that we know, officially, officially, it's not going to be Scott versus, it's, it's not going to be Vince versus Pat McAfee, but it's going to be Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory instead, noted main eventer of all things MSG in Elimination Chamber. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to this match as well. I I think it's a it's going to be a potential sleeper. I you know I don't like the way it started though because I don't like McAfee not like I feel like Pat should have grabbed the mic and cut a promo right there. And I, I just think he should have laid into him like who the hell do you think you are and should have just went into him. And maybe they're saving that because I'm gonna go ahead and tell you Austin Theory not gonna be able to keep up with him on the mic. When we we talking about just doing promos back and forth, Pat McAfee's going to eat that boy alive. Now, inside the ring is going to be interesting because I, I do want to see how they, they book this match. It's going to be a little different than they did with Adam Cole. Adam Cole is this longtime veteran, longtime champion. They booked him strong like that. How are they going to book Austin Theory with Pat McAfee? Do they book Austin Theory as this top-level guy you know, who, who is having this outsider come in? Or is this kind of a 50-50 thing? Or is Pat McAfee kind of a, he's got a little bit more of the edge since he's the professional athlete. You know, they like to take care of their professional athletes. So there's, I, I'm curious to see how the match goes. And yeah, I think, man, Austin Theory, he is, this guy's really gotten a lot of love from getting called up, getting called back, to getting demoted, getting called back up. And now he's just in prominent spots with Vince McMahon, with Brock Lesnar, getting title shots. I mean, if you're Austin Theory, you got to be expecting a big 2022 and next year at WrestleMania. You need to. Be, if I'm Austin Theory, I'm thinking, man, I expect to be in a top tier match next year. I mean, look at what I'm doing this year. I, big, big ups to Austin Theory. Yes, and shout out to that damn Cleopatra egg, too, that made it all possible last year at Survivor Series. That egg came through in the clutch. That egg helped draw a number for Awesome Theory on a Monday Night Raw. And Vince says, ah, the young demographic, Awesome Theory, push him. I want him to be molded in my image. I love it. So now that Awesome Theory has been anointed as the next guy up, let's not forget 
that Roman Reigns is God now. He's almost there. He'll be double champ, presumably, at WrestleMania. And he cuts another God tier promo this past Friday on SmackDown saying, I'm Babe Ruth. I call my shot. I did so last year at WrestleMania. And I'm going to do the exact same thing to Brock Lesnar. I'm going to smash him. I'm going to pin him. I'm going to be the champ. He can hand the belt to me. I'm going to stand over him. $5 million of the pyro's gone off during my celebration, and he will acknowledge me. And he said that with his whole chest and then some. Said it over and over and over again. And he honestly expected Miami to boo him, but they loved him this night. They cheered for him. They threw up the ones. And Roman Reigns might be a heel, but he is the coolest, badass babyface they've got. He's got swag, confidence. He's got the belt for well over a year. He's got all that you need to be that top-tier star after all these years of being mid and saying that infamous promo of suffering succotash that will stay with him forever despite him going God tier now. So, Stephen, what are your thoughts on Roman Reigns activating God mode once more by calling his shot on Brock Lesnar heading into WrestleMania? He's been fabulous. This angle has been fabulous. One of the reasons that I, I feel like coming out of this Madison Square Garden show that I that I think they're going to put together a great video package is I am I have faith in this feud now. I know that Paul Heyman has a lot to do with it and laying it out, and I just I have faith in it. It's a bunch of guys that are really on top of their game right now working together, and Roman is absolutely on fire, both in the ring and in these promos with his presence. This is what everyone wanted from him when he was being shoved down our necks as a babyface. It's remarkable how this has turned around because remember it was the Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns match at WrestleMania that the crowd had its biggest moment of just open rebellion. I wrote about this for the website earlier this week. That match was crapped on. They chanted this is awful and it wasn't you go back and watch that match that match wasn't bad they were working their asses off in that match but the crowd just refused to go with roman as a babyface. you know why because this is what they wanted from him first the pendulum has to swing back and forth we saw it with the rock the rock and they rejected the rock until he went with nation of domination showed some personality this is what we're getting out of roman right now and it's working the people are into him he is a big star he's not getting that oh god here's the baby face that nobody likes anymore he is now moving to that cool heel role and when the time comes and it's going to come that they flip him over and he becomes the babyface. It's going to work this time because he's talented enough. He can cut promos like this, have matches like that. And now we've seen that side of him. And all of this has, has worked wonderfully. He is in God mode. He's doing an outstanding job week after week. This was another one here where he just moves the story forward, makes you believe that he's pissed. Uh, he's been terrific, and I think this is going to pay dividends. I think he's going to be a gigantic babyface, the one that they wanted him to be and couldn't get him to. And it, it took a couple of years too long, but it's going to work. This is working. Yes, Scott has professed Roman Reigns, the best champion in the business today, and I got to agree with him. Roman Reigns' presentation, the matches, the championship run, the promos have been absolutely top-shelf material. And this promo this past Friday was no exception. And you know, and you can you can tell the, just the difference between piped in cheers and authentic cheers. Yeah. And I, gosh, man, when that guy came out and was just standing in the ring and just grabbed the mic like he was about to say something, the crowd is just going crazy for him. I mean, they can't wait to hear him. They are so excited to see 
Roman Reigns, which is Roman Reigns, which is unfathomable to think about when you go yeah. back five years, six years ago. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think about. And you know, I, I know there's a lot of people who give Roman a hard, give WWE and Roman a hard time, saying you know it took this long for him to get to where he is, and you know. To me, I say it doesn't matter how long it takes you to become the guy if you become the guy. You know, nobody says it took Michael Jordan, you know, or nobody says it took LeBron James so and so years to become the best player in the game. He became the best player in the game and he ran with it. Roman has become the best guy in the game and he's running with it. He is currently running with it. So to me, you know, I don't think it matters how long it takes to get there. Is just when you get there, you show what they were seeing, and I, I think he's showing that right now. Um, the God Mode thing—that's if they're not making that a T-shirt, I don't know what they're doing in the PR department. I mean, good Lord Almighty, that's that's just money waiting to be sold. Um, R- Roman Reigns is just on a stretch that we're going to look back on and say this is one of the best. I mean. For me personally, you know, I don't, I was, you know, I'm, I'm a young cat. You know, I won't give away my age, but I'm a young cat. You know, I, I, you know, I, I was around for the '90s. You know, so that's that should give you enough. But I, I, I haven't seen him run like this in a long time. Just top tier, putting out great matches, cutting great promos, and the crowd just just eating it up, you know? So I was a young kid when Stone Cold and all of them were wrestling. So I had, I had to go back and enjoy that. So for me, this is, this is top tier stuff. And I, I am thoroughly enjoying it. Me too. And it's always important to note that it's never too late to figure out how great you can be. Roman Reigns took quarantine, quarantine season in 2020 to get his abs right, Mm -hmm. get some new teeth, and get a personality that clicked for him, that worked for him. He worked in the lab for six months to come back as a tribal chief, the head of the table. We bought that shit. This guy has been incredible. Every match is hit, and his personality is it, and you love the Usos, the bloodline, Paul Heyman. All of it has clicked perfectly, perfectly, and the people love him. They respond to it, and that is how you make a baby yeah. face. You make that transition of being a monster heel, and then you realize this dude is cool as fuck. This guy calls his shot he doesn't miss he always wins how can i possibly hate a guy that's that fucking cool and finally wwe the jackpot after all these years and it will benefit him now as a babyface sooner or later heading into next year's wrestlemania where he'll most likely be wwe or and or universal champion for well over a thousand days perhaps <laughs> but we'll see about that as we transition now to the main event of smackdown involving ronda rousey and sonya deville and ronda made sonya tap out but I want to get into the larger issue of Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown Women's Championship for the night one main event of WrestleMania on April 2nd. I like the potential of this match, but the storyline is very thin for me right now in that the story is Charlotte Flair hasn't tapped out ever. And I'm like, well, I remember in 2016, Sasha Banks made Charlotte Flair tap out three times on Monday Night Raw. Natalia made Charlotte tap out a few times. Oscar did so as well. So don't gaslight me, WWE, trying to sell me on some bullshit regarding submissions and shit involving Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. And, and MSG, by the way, Charlotte Flair tapped out to Ronda Rousey in a match. So there goes that idea heading into WrestleMania season. Hmm. So the one problem I have is that we go back to Survivor Series 2018 
with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair had a great match and Charlotte beat her ass with a kendo stick to draw the DQ and pilmanize the neck of Ronda Rousey as well. Why can't we use that as the thread for this match at WrestleMania? Why can't Ronda Rousey say the only reason you did that, Charlotte, was to get your heat back from your best friend, Becky Lynch? Why can't we go there? Let's have that conversation. Let's have that discussion. That's a meteor story than a lame-ass feud revolving around submissions that we already see on house shows and TV with Charlotte Flair tapping out twice in a 24-hour span. So, Scott... Are you all in on this feud as it is, or do you think we need some more meat to this presumed night one main event of WrestleMania? I think the problem with this, it, it, well, let me root for it. You, me personally, I, I think the match is going to be really good. I, I, I'm looking forward to the match at WrestleMania. The feud is leaving a lot to be desired. There's a lot of meat left on this bone. Um, you know, my mom would get real mad if I threw away a chicken bone that had this much meat on it. Let me go ahead and tell you that right now. So they got to figure out some way to, to, to get the rest of that, to get that meat off that bone right there. Um, you know, I, I think for me, people are just, people want Ronda versus Becky. I mean, let's, let's, let's keep it 100. We, we, we know why Ronda came back. The mud, the big money match is Ronda versus Becky. Um, and I, we all know that this is just a, a roadblock you know, for a WWE term, a roadblock to get there. Um, you know, Charlotte Flair is that first hump to get Ronda as a champion. And, and you know, so I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what they can do. Like, th- it didn't need that. You know, this you have Charlotte versus Ronda. I don't think people are going to get any more excited. I don't think people are going to get any less excited. I just think, you know, people are just are going to be, if you're excited about Ronda, you're going to be excited about it. So, I, you know... This match for a lot of people is just going to be there. I, I'm looking forward to it because I, I enjoyed their match in 2018. I thought there was real good energy and a lot of intensity, which I hope they can recreate. But I think you got to go back to that with the promos. You you got to get under Ronda's skin. You got to make her mad in the ring. I think Charlotte needs to do a little bit of that Nia Jax shoot a little bit. I, if I'm Charlotte, I'm, I'm trying to get her riled up because that's when Charlotte responds and we get good mad. That's when people are intrigued. Like... Nope. I mean, the match wasn't great, but I can tell you what, when her and Nia did their little, whatever they did, their little shindig, <laughs> that next week I was all in to see what they was going to do next. I can tell you that. So, I mean, you got to do something because I, I just don't think people are that excited except for the the true fans of each character, of each wrestler. So you got to do something. Yeah, and we got to remember that Charlotte Flair – got cheered in Ronda's backyard by beating her ass. And that was a sea chain switch of Ronda being angry with the fans for the rest of her duration in WWE. Play into that. The story, as Scott likes to say, is right there for the pickings. Take it right there and go with it. There's a story there that can add some legit heat. And I love the shoot element of Ronda and Charlotte fucking up and then really having a true blue fight that has some meat to the bone. Because right now it's very paper thin via the submission bullshit. So, Steven, do you still have hope for this presumed main event of WrestleMania? Or do you want a bit more from Ronda and Charlotte from the storyline standpoint? I like a bit more, too. And they have a few weeks to do it. They, they have some time. Remember, it's a month before this uh, WrestleMania card even happens so they they do have time i'm I'm hoping that they also bring something a little more personal to it because right now the only reason they're actually wrestling according to the story that they're doing at the moment is that ronda won the royal rumble and decided to pick charlotte other than that nothing personal and they need to bring something personal into it and then their latest wrinkle was that 
Charlotte saying Ronda's a one-trick pony. She, all she does is the armbar. I know how to get out of the armbar. Well, they gave that away by having Charlotte tapping, doing a visual tap out on SmackDown to an ankle lock. So I'm like, okay, well, we just killed that. That took about 20 minutes. And so it, it does need a more personal uh, aspect to it that's not there quite yet. They have a little bit of time to get it there. Hopefully they do. Otherwise, yeah, it does feel a little a little bit flat because everyone knows what Ronda is. Therefore, Scott hit it right on the head. Uh, the match is Ronda versus Becky, but they want to hold that off for another year. And Charlotte's a terrific wrestler, so but it needs a little bit more spice. Hopefully, we get it in the next couple of weeks. Maybe they'll get arrested and then Charlotte can knee her in the police car once again. That would be great. That was a nice go-home angle, angle three years ago. That was ago. a real good angle. Yes. And why not bring Becky Lynch yes, up I if you're Charlotte Flair? Like, why? If I'm Charlotte Flair, like, in my promos, I'm like, and I know what you think you're doing. You think you're picking me because you don't want to pick Becky Lynch. Because then you're hitting, two head, you know, you're hitting two birds with one stone because as Charlotte Flair, you're saying, you're not going to underestimate me, but at the same time, you're letting Becky, or you're letting Ronda know, we know you scared to Becky Lynch too I'm better than Becky so if you scared of her you better be scared of me like that should be what this story is for yeah. Charlotte Flair you know what I mean like that should be the story right there we know why you didn't pick Becky you think I'm gonna be the easier path nah it ain't going down like that like there's a story there and they just like Steve, Steve, you just put that. You just said it. They gave away what they were what they were selling the entire show how she doesn't yeah. tap out she tapped out right there to an ankle lock like yeah. I, I don't know, man. Does, and they they tried to sell a knee injury that never came into play. Charlotte never attacked the knee, so I don't know. I don't know. They have a story there. I just laid one out for them, but they I don't know what they're doing. They're just they're just trying to reach for stuff. Yes, and it's going to lead to a cold main event of WrestleMania, and I'm thinking to myself, why well, couldn't be Becky and Bianca in the main event spot at this rate? We'll see, but right now I don't feel encouraged by this matchup. It should be good on paper, but I just want a reason to care. And right now, submission trading simply isn't it for me. And now it's time for happier moments, happier thoughts. As we end the show with our guilty pleasure slash avoid at all costs picks of the week. So, Stephen, what is that one thing in WWE that you loved, even though you shouldn't, and that one thing you hated with every fiber of your being? My avoid at all costs has got to be this whole uh, 24-7 uh, thing with uh, Reginald and Dana Brooke. And then now we have brought in a love story with Tamina and Tazawa. Ugh. And it's pretty brutal. I don't know what it is with American wrestling where Japanese guys have to be like man-children. And like, like he, like he's, he has apparently never known the touch of a woman until Tamina plants a smack on his lips. And then he's just floating away. Like there's little hearts above his head suddenly. And it's like, and this is, if you go back, there's so many examples of this. They used to do this kind of crap with Takamichi Noku and, and Funaki and all that, where they're just like these innocent little stupid people. Uh, the, and, and it's just this bad stereotyping. I, I don't like it. And then. They, they, this whole love story with Tamina and chasing the 24-7 title, no one cares about this thing. I, I, the only reason it's there is because USA asked for it, and I'm pretty sure that whoever asked got fired by now, and they could probably just let the thing go, and nobody would notice. But uh, we're kind of stuck with it. So that, that's the kind of thing that anytime the 24-7 stuff comes up, I'm flipping channels for a little bit. But uh, my guilty pleasure, we mentioned it earlier, Johnny Knoxville shouldn't be this good at this. 
Really? I mean, I know he's I know he's a performer. I know he's in he's in movies and and does some certain comedy bits with the Jackass thing. But as far as pro wrestling goes, he probably shouldn't be doing it because he just had a doggone brain hemorrhage or hem, uh, what was it a some something went wrong with him and he got hit with the bull on his brain injury. He probably shouldn't be doing this. He shouldn't be as good at it. But the guy's pretty good at this. Like every time he does something physical, it, it looks pretty good. And the stuff with Sami Zayn has been entertaining. He took a he, he took a hell of a halluva kick, and uh, it, it was right in the mouth, and he <laughs> took it like a champ. And I find myself thinking about past celebrities at WrestleMania, and my hope is that no one gets hurt and it's not too bad. So in this one, though, I'm thinking, I hope no one gets hurt. And this will actually be, should be pretty good. I, I have high hopes for it. And his stuff has kind of been a highlight for me. Whereas most of the times when celebrities come in, you can kind of see them playing it like, oh, this is, I'm doing this goofy wrestling stuff for a while. Wink, wink. And, and uh, Knoxville's in it. He's, he's into it and he seems to be really enjoying it. And, and, I, and I've been enjoying it. So that's my guilty pleasure is something I wouldn't normally enjoy as a celebrity in wrestling. But Johnny Knoxville is knocking it out of the park. Yes. Johnny Timothy Oliphant Knoxville has been incredible <laughs> throughout all of this. He looks like that, man. I am sorry. That is twin, his wonder twin. He's been great. He has a respect for the business that the fans really admire. And he's over. These fan yeah. reactions take me out every single week. And dare I say, he's going to go straight Minoru Suzuki on Sami Zayn's ass <laughs> at WrestleMania. I fully believe that he's going to go strong style laying in shots and I'm going to love every second of it. And by God, please be safe, Johnny. Yeah. I don't want you to fuck up your brain anymore. Please don't. So Scott, what is your guilty pleasure and your avoid at all costs picks of the week? Oh boy. Um, I was going to pick the 24 seven thing, but you know, Steven already covered that. Yeah. That's that stuff's just atrocious. So, um, I'll, you know, I, I, I'll go at Brooks and Dunn. I thought that sucked too. <laughs> um, but, but then, you know what, but then, you know what, you know what, they're not even the worst. I'm sorry. I, I I'm trying not to pick her. Cause I feel like I pick, I've picked her the last couple of weeks, but I'm just, I'm done with Naomi, man. I, I don't know what it is, but when I see Naomi now, I'm, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I'm not interested. And mm. I, I'm not interested in what's going on with her and Sasha. I, I don't know. So she's a big skip for me. And maybe that's not fair, but that's that's life, man. That's, that's what I'm on right now. I'll, I'll say this. I, I think that deciding that Sasha should wear Naomi's outfit is the wrong choice on that one. Like, Sasha looked ridiculous on Friday trying to look like Naomi. It's just two different women. They can each have their own look. They can have... How about the same color scheme or something? But her with the, the trying to do the same hair and some of the... I, mean, I don't know. I don't know about that one. But I, they're a talented team, but I, I kind of agree that it's like, I don't know if this is the right look for Sasha. Yeah, it's not it's not working for me. Um, as far as my guilty pleasures go, I really, really enjoyed the promos that the women cut um, on on not on SmackDown on Raw before the six man tag match. Both teams, I I enjoyed both of those promos. I thought both teams showed their intentions, laid them out. Um, just just a good promo all around. I thought Becky Lynch actually cut one of her better heel promos and kind of talked about, you know, me and Dewdrop, we had our differences, but we know what we got to do now. Like, So I, I like stuff like that. And 
the promo styles on SmackDown. I really enjoyed the opening of that where everybody kind of laid out their intentions for the show. Like stuff like that is really cool. It it stands out. It's different. And it, you know, you kind of, you lay out what's, you lay out what's going on for the show. So like, okay, so we got this going on. We got that going on. Good promo. Everybody gets to talk a little bit. You see a little personality. So the promos from Raw and SmackDown this week, I actually thought they were pretty good for the most part, especially the openings. Yeah, good call on the opening thing yeah, with SmackDown. Yeah, good call on that. They used to do that with uh, way back with Saturday night's main event when it would be in the Saturday night live time slot once a month. And they knew they were having an audience that didn't normally watch. You know, people would tune in to see Saturday night live and, oh, my God, there's wrestlers. What the hell? And uh, but the beginning would be those promo things similar to what they did on SmackDown just to explain the story. So if they stuck around, they knew who was what. I, I really like it. I hope they keep it. I, I think it was I a strong too. bit. Yeah. Yeah, they dig it up every now and then to add some hype for SmackDown, and I greatly appreciate it. And now Scott won't appreciate what I'm about to do to his favorite <laughs> guy in all of WWE. Yep. He saw my tweet on Monday. Duck and cover. That, that damn Miz and that goddamn promo on Monday Night Raw running down his resume, that shit put me to sleep. I'm like, these are the reasons why I don't fuck with the Miz like I used to <laughs> like five years ago. These are the reasons why he goes back 11 years ago I don't care. Son, you've been sucking for the last three or so years. I don't give a fuck about your resume. I don't care. I do not care. I do not care. And it got on my nerves. It just bothered me for five minutes. This man running down past shit he was good at 11 years ago. I do not care, Scott. I apologize. Fuck. The shade. Yeah. The shade from my God. You're right. Also, if you... If you had, if if Keela had a dollar for every time he has done that promo, that very promo, he does it so often. If she had a dollar for every time, she could cover your gambling losses. Yes, I could pay off the hey, debt. Hey, that will happen most likely. Let me let me let me tell you what we're not gonna do. Let me let me tell you what we're not. We we we're not gonna be sitting here ganging up on my guy Mike. Right? We ain't gonna be doing that to my boy Miz. <sighs> And I still say he's still a less relevant MJF. Period. (laughs) Period. Miss wishes he had an MJF's career. MJF's only 25 years old putting on classics against CM Punk. (laughs) He wished he could have that kind of pool. Sorry, homie. But as (laughs) Scott is shattered, I bury this man six feet under. I take it back 12 feet under. LeBron, sorry. Miss 12 feet under in the Mm, grave. mm, mm, mm. But but on a lighter note, my guilty pleasure this week, which really proves how week to week this thing can be. Last week, they're on my bottom. This week, they're on my tops. It's Brooks and Dunn. Oh, whoa. Oh, my God. I've turned the corner on them because Josh Briggs, who I call, um, who I call Dunn in that situation, <laughs> he's a great straight man. He is great with his facial expressions and his commentary regarding Brooks Jensen's shitty love life. And Brooks is such a lovable idiot. I adore this for some reason. I don't know why, but it's growing on me more and more by the week. And shout out to Electra Lopez, who had more chemistry with these two than she had with Zion Quinn the entire time. <laughs> That's true. On NXT 2.0. <laughs> like maybe, you know, Jensen could get some with Electra Lopez. Maybe that's a love match down the road. But I really enjoyed the kookiness of this due to the MVP Josh Briggs going all in on this love triangle from hell. 
And with that, as I come around on Brooks and Dunn, it's now time to put a wrap on this week's episode of The Wrap, a very fun show per the usual. With Ms. Burials included, I want to thank Scott and Stephen for joining me per the usual to talk all things WWE. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Oh, I, well, I can't say you're welcome or that I enjoyed it, especially the last five minutes of this show. So I don't know what you were expecting from me right there. <laughs> no, let me, let me stop. No, great show again. Steven, thank you for being on. This was a blast. Uh, Kilo, like I said, it's always great chopping it up. Can't wait to do it next time. Yes, I had no choice, Scott. The Miz had to be taken out. It needed to be done. And I did what I needed to do because he deserved it. And I apologize if you're ending this show via protest. But... <laughs> no, I'll, be, mean, I'll be back, hey, I'll be back next go. week. <laughs> You'll be back next week. And I'll be back next week as well with an extra special guest joining us as we chop it up heading into the heart of WrestleMania season. For so, for myself, for Steven, and for Scott, that's a wrap. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.